Ken, thanks so much for giving me your time, man. Ken, um, first of all, I'll give you a rough kind of introduction, man, and then I'll kind of let you kind of take the reins. But Ken, you've pretty much been, you know, my sales mentor, my my growth mentor for a while now, probably coming about eight, nine months now. Um, you helped me a lot with training and tactics. You were kind of a, um, you're an animal with that field. And I want to get you on this podcast, man, to kind of walk through a little bit more of sales processing and kind of the reasons why we kind of do certain things in the sales lineup to kind of close the deal. So can kind of give you, can you give me a rough idea of like kind of how you got into what you're doing now, man? And like, you know, your process with it all, man. Cool, man. Yeah, so definitely. Definitely. So, um, like I'm sure a lot of your listeners, uh, are here. I started in the fitness industry myself. Um, so I, I was a personal trainer, then I owned a PT studio, then I set up a gym and really like what I was trying to do is really understand what, what it takes people to decide to work with me as opposed to anybody else. And there are a lot of personal trainers out there. And the biggest problem that I see with personal trainers is they don't have a unique point of difference and they're not prepared to do something that's different. Uh, they, they want to just kind of do what everybody else does. And the person and personal trainers are synonymous with that. They just copy each other. They just replicate everybody's systems, everybody's structures, everybody's training style. And then there's nothing unique. And why would I go to someone who's not unique or different? If someone else is going to beat them on price, I'll just go there. All right. Yeah. hundred percent. So how did I get, how, how did I get into what I, what I was doing? Well, I've always had a massive fascination in business. I was uh, brought up with uh, a father who was super entrepreneurial. My mom was a little bit more reserved, uh, but my dad was super ambitious. So um, we used to have this board game growing up. It was called the rat race. It was made by uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And we used to play that all the time growing up. And then my dad obviously had a lot of property businesses and different businesses on the side. So I was really fostered in that mindset of how can I grow companies? How can I scale businesses? Now, as I progressed throughout my life, it really came down to one thing. What ultimately led to business success was the more money you can bring in the front end will allow you to do bigger and better things in the back end. So sales has always been my primary focus. How can I generate more growth in a business by bringing them more sales? I love that, man. And I think some people take the opposite route where they're like, oh, you know, if I just focus on like what I do best every single day, you know, if I build it, they will come. And, you know, yes, having a, a solid product and service is vital within the health and fitness industry. But at the same time, it's not just because you build it doesn't mean they're all going to come. Yes, referral and word mm -hmm. of mouth is, you know, strong, but also it's, but it's not the only thing that you should be focusing on. And if you have a bad marketing and sales system, you, you're going to struggle hard out straight away. Yeah, hundred percent, man. That Noah's Ark analogy, it just, it doesn't work in today's world. You know, the Noah's Ark analogy is, yeah, you build it first and there will come, right? Build it and there will come. The whole kind of premise of Noah's Ark. But the only reason they came is because God came down and told all the animals two by two, get on the boat. You know, there's a flood coming, get on the boat. Like there's no, there is no higher power telling everybody to jump into your ship this time around. So you have to create a unique proposition. You need to market it out there then you need to see what people want and then build the strategy around that. Yeah. Simple. A hundred percent. And I think I had this same limiting mindset belief uh, when I was growing up. Right. So say like a lot of guys, they come to me and they're like, man, I don't want to be salesy. You know, I don't want to be salesy. You know, what I do is really good, but I don't want to come across as like that guy who's trying to shove something down their throat. And I understand where they're coming from because when I was growing up, I was constantly, 
around an environment where people were slagging off sales guys like oh like this guy's like doing this he's doing that and like you i grew up in an environment where like being a salesperson or someone who was trying to sell something came off as a very negative thing so when yeah. i had to i had to overcome that myself but i see that very often within the health and fitness industry where they're like look i don't want to be salesy but i try to communicate yeah. with them like hey man like you're not trying to sell something that's shit. Like you're trying to sell something that's going to improve their quality of life, make them do things that they've always wanted to do and just feel better about themselves. Like how could you feel bad about selling that? Do you ever like, what do you have? Like, exactly. did you ever go through that yourself, man? Or like what happened there with yourself? Sure, man. Certainly all the time I go through that, right? Because there is this, um, there is this idea in our head and we, we're kind of a similar age. So we would have been brought up in with that same mindset. If you, if you're a salesman, you're sl you're sleazy, you're slimy, you're grimy. You're that, that guy that tries to just pull out, you know, you, you're conniving, right? There's in my, the way I, that, that I coach sales and I, I talk and, and coach businesses is I don't look at manipulation or uh, persuasion, right? So you might hear people talk about uh, sales manipulation, sales persuasion, you know, persuasion based techniques. I'm not, I'm not a big believer in, persuading someone to do something that they don't want to do i'm not a big believer in manipulating people to a direction they don't feel is going to be the best for them right i use words like influence i influence it has a positive connotation right manipulation and uh, persuasion have negative connotation so i talk about influence i talk about motivation right so influence and motivation is what i'm looking for what i'm trying to do in my sales coach out of my sales goals or even when i'm coaching people is motivate them to be the best person they can be and motivate them to make the best decision for themselves. See, most people in, in life, they will, they'll go through life thinking they're making the best decisions for themselves, but in true, in, in most honest, in, in, sorry, in most times they're not, right? I know when I go to McDonald's and I'm driving through the drive-thru, I've made that conscious decision to buy a Big Mac. I know it's not the best thing for my health. I know it's not the best thing for my wealth. I know it's not the best thing um, for my mindset. You know, but I've made that conscious decision, right? So most people don't make the right decisions anyway. Imagine if you had your personal trainer, your coach, one of your nutritionists or whatever, standing out front of the, the Macca's drive-thru and like, hey, Ken, look, I'm not going to manipulate or, or, or persuade you to do anything that you don't want to do. But let's just have a little bit of a conversation to see if I can motivate you to make a better decision or I can influence you to make a better decision. So... You know, the fitness and the nutrition space is amazing because you can't really do bad. You're only going to do good unless you're out there to break people's backs and break bones and, you know, get given the worst doms of their life. Maybe you're probably causing a little bit more bad than good, but like exercise and nutrition is so, so fundamentally important to the human race that we, none of us get enough of. It doesn't matter if you're in the gym five days a week, you know, we probably still don't exercise enough, not as much as our ancestors used to anyway. So Looking from that perspective, you as a personal trainer should go out of your way to try and sell as many people as possible who you feel that you can actually truly help. Because the how I also look at it is in the personal trainer, there are personal trainers that are they're, they're not even personal trainers. You know, they never did a course, but they're still selling their services. Or they're fresh out of a a a, a TAFE course or fresh out of a uh, an eight-week course. And look, they may be good, but a lot of personal trainers are probably pretty bad. And so if you don't sell them, that means that someone shit, and I hope I can swear on your podcast, someone shit may sell them. And if someone shit sells them, then that's your fault. So you need to carry that weight on your shoulders. If someone else sells them into a shittier program that's worse than yours, that's your fault for not doing your job and helping that person to the best of your ability. 
Yeah, that's on there kind of. And that's kind of how I described it a little bit back in the day when I was kind of, when I was at a gym full time and I was walking through people and um, trainers kind of how, how to onboard and do sales and stuff like that was, I kind of broke it down like, hey man, like if someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to, you know, increase my my health so I can see my grandkids or I can walk my, my daughter down the aisle, et cetera, et cetera. And then you don't do a good enough job to kind of show them and paint them the story of doing that and actually motivating them to take the action that day or, you know, potentially in the future. And then they just go home and actually don't actually, they don't do anything around their goal. Like that's, I mean, it's kind of a bad thing, but like that's on you in a sense, because your goal, you, you should have like an obligation to help people. And that's kind of how I see it as if you're, if you're selling something to help someone, like I'm not stressed if you do it or not, but I really like think that deep down my obligation is to help personal trainers grow their business and they should have an obligation to help as many people achieve their health and fitness goals as possible rather than see themselves as like health salesy kind of sleazy person because I think health and fitness is the best thing to sell. Oh, most certainly. And look, um, people think it's really, really difficult to sell health and fitness. I think it's like one of the easiest things to sell because you cannot, you cannot sell someone a bad service. Your job is to sell them something that's going to positively impact their life. And if you truly believe that you can do that for them, you should be selling them. You should be going hard. And I'm not saying about hard closing, but if some people need to be hard closed, some people need to be pushed beyond the point of what you feel is okay. Because some people, for example, there are people out there in this world that are morbidly obese and, and past that point of morbidly obese, right? Where they have a relationship in their life who was a feeder and it's feeding them junk in, inside in their life. Now, is it your job to just motivate, you know, or convince the obese person to lose weight, to make a decision to kind of go to the gym or exercise or change their nutritional habits? Well, yes, that's your first job, but also it's your second job to kind of motivate and influence the feeder. Because if you have a relationship where one person is negatively influencing the other, then it's your job as the personal trainer. I know your job is just in the gym. But remember, your job impacts their lives. And you have to think about it like this because personal trainers are, are known for not only being personal trainers say this everywhere, right? Like we're not just we don't just coach, we also we're like psychologists, we're also like therapists, we're this, we're that. Because you are. Hairdressers are the same, right? They're not just there to kind of cut your hair, they're also there to talk to you, learn a little about a little bit about you and offer their guidance if they can. So it's your job to open up their minds that if they're making the wrong decisions, not just in the gym, but outside of the gym, that's your job to help them fix too. Yeah, I love that, dude. So what I want to kind of get to in terms of action points, because I know you're, you're a gun with this and I kind of, I throw ideas around with you all the time and you give me advice of this stuff, but for personal trainers coming through, right? Say they don't really have a sales process. Maybe they've never really heard of it or like what happens is someone's interested in their service. They hit them up. Hey, Bob Jane, you know, what's your, what's your service? What's your pricing? And what I do is just, I copy and paste my pricing list straight to them. And then they just don't, you don't hear back to them. They ghost you. See you later. Bon voyage. Right. It's, it happens so often where I'm, I'm on phone calls with trainers and they're like, yeah, that's what I do. And I'm like, okay, no wonder you're not getting any sales. So what would be the first thing that you would look at if you're in that case? What would you do to kind of start building out like more sales, but your process as well? Like, what would you do, man? Cool. So I'd reverse engineer everything, right? So I'm I'm a big believer in goal setting. And I believe if you're going to map out what you want in life, you need to reverse engineer a plan to get there. 
right now plans move all the time they have to be flexible but like if as long as you know the trajectory where you are and where you want to be it doesn't matter if you go a little bit east a little bit west it doesn't really matter as long as you're going somewhat in that level of direction you don't necessarily need to follow the yellow brick road but follow somewhat of the direction as long as you got the compass in the right way you're going to go there now if the goal is to make you know should be training 50 clients a day or it might be doing sorry 50 clients a week 50 clients a day is pretty excessive <laughs> or it might be to run you know five group class, group coaching classes a day you know or small group sessions whatever it may be map out what you want and map out you know it could be your financial target or the people that the impacts the, the lives you want to impact that target right then reverse engineer the numbers backwards so if say let's use an example if you want to hit let's only use the number of 100 just because it's an easy number to work with if you want to train 100 people a week and remember that could be in a group or a one-on-one setting if you want to work with 100 people a week how many people do you need to speak to to be able to make 100 sales right so let's reverse the maths there so first thing we need to do is cool i want 100 sales i want 100 new people coming to my gym every single week all right cool so how many presentations do i need to have from presentations how many bookings do i need and from that how many calls do i need to have from there, maybe potentially what's the marketing like? How many SMSs do I need to send out? How many emails do I need to send out? Now, going to your question there, Luke, you know, like what's a what's a sales process look like for a personal trainer? Well, most personal trainers SMS or their email or they or they send a DM via IG or Facebook and they just give them all their their prices, their all of their IP, essentially. The problem with that is they're just comparing, comparing the pair of everybody else, right? compare the market.com.au, right? You got a little chipmunk there, he's talking, right? They're just, they're just gonna tee up what they feel is going to work best for them. And most people, most people are looking at price. That's really not what your selling point should be. If you're selling, point, if you're selling on price, then you're competing with everybody else just coming straight out of college or TAFE or whatever. You wanna be selling on the value or the results that you're gonna deliver. And you can't, you can't articulate that effectively enough in a message in a text, in an email, because they're just scrolling through to get to your price. So when you come up with a better strategy, you need some front-end advertising or some front-end marketing to lure them in, get them attracted to what you do, right? They might move through some sort of indoctrination funnel, whether it be a nurture email sequence, a Facebook sequence inside a Facebook group, could be uh, running through a physical funnel or a landing page funnel. So they become familiar with what you do, how you do it, the results that you start to deliver. Then you want them to engage with you. So they give you their pieces of information, name, email, phone number. From that, you want to then be able to engage with them. Of course, SMSs and emails are always fantastic as a nurture builder, but not as a sales process. It's not a sale. You're not trying to sell via text or email. You're trying to sell over the phone, right? The reason over the phone is the best way to sell is face-to-face, but you're not going to utilize that much time in your life to meet with all of these people face-to-face. It's not a good use of your time, but nevertheless, the best way to sell is face-to-face. Why? Because you have all of not only the, um, the verbal touch points, but also the physical touch points, right? You can read body language. You can see eye contact. You can see where their feet are pointing. Are they pointing towards the door because they want to uh, they want to shout, sh- shoot off? Or they're pointing towards you because they're engaged in the conversation. Are their feet wide stance trying to dominate the conversation with their hands crossed? Or are they opened up to receiving the information that you're delivering? So of course, face-to-face is always best. We can't always do that. Zoom is next, you know, Zoom or, you know, 
some sort of video streaming software is really, really good too, really valuable. But again, it might not be as flexible as what you need. You might not be able to do that on the go if you need to be on the go. The next best is over the phone. I like over the phone because you get a clear indication of this person. You can book at a time in your calendar. You can understand what they need, what they want, how they want to get there, their goals, their pains, their frustration, what their problems are right now, why they feel that they need to fix the problem and why they feel they need to fix it now. You get an understanding of all that. Then you can move them into a buyer's mindset. Get them to, remember, Luke, we've talked about this many, many times and I'm sure you share this with your, with your, uh, with your clients as well and obviously your audience. People don't buy on logic. People buy on emotion. They justify through logic. So the key principle here is how can we create so much emotion so that there's it's a no-brainer to do business with you. It's a no-brainer for them to commit to you and, and get to the goal, the outcome that they want to make or the outcome they want to achieve in their life. Yeah, I think um, going through training with um, trainers, training through personal trainers, um, a lot of this, I'll go through their, their, their script. I'll go through their, their processes of how they sell. And a lot of people, what they do is they brush on their, their goals. They brush over, okay, cool. Ken, you want to lose five kilos, 10 kilos. All right, sweet. All right, so these are my prices. And they just kind of go straight into the, the massive pitch where what they, they don't go down into the nitty gritty of, okay, what, what, why, mm. why 10 kilos? Why not 12? Why not 15? Why not six? Like, let me, mm. why that specific number? Okay. Well, you felt really good at this particular number. Okay, cool. Like, and just, why do you want to feel good again? So it's just like going deeper and deeper in terms of like, why do they want to achieve a certain goal? Uh, so like, is there some sort of like, would you say number that you should be going through? Or is it more of a, like, I know me and you, like, I don't know about yourself, but I kind of have a flexible kind of feeling of like when I should stop and when I should keep going. But is there a certain number that you have in mind for how many questions or why you should be trying to get out of someone for their goal? Yeah. Yeah. So like some people use the three why technique or the five wise technique. You ask why three to five times to get to elicit more of a, a, um, a deeper emotional response. I look at it from three levels anyway right? The outer level, if we look at it like an onion, right? What people are prepared to share, right? These are the things you can ask. Cool. So like, what made you get on this call today? Uh, I'm looking at, you know, joining a personal trying to lose a couple of kilos. Cool. That's people, what people are prepared to share. If we go one level, one layer deep, it's like what people are open to sharing when you elicit or when you give them the right questions, right? So what people are open to sharing, if you, um, you power them with the right questions, right? That's the second layer deep. The third layer of deep is the things that people are trying to not share. What people are trying to not share. So three layers of what deep. What people are prepared to share, what people are open to share, uh, elucidated with the right questions and what people are trying not to share. And you actually want to get to the core thing, what people are trying not to share. Why? Because this is the reason why people make decisions. Yeah, it's like when... When I go out and buy, um, buy Kristen, my wife, a uh, what did I buy? A Louis Vuitton handbag. Did I buy that because she needs a Louis Vuitton handbag? No, she certainly doesn't. Do what? Did I buy that because I'm like, oh, cool, this will look really nice on her? Yeah, probably it will look really nice on her. But does it really matter? No, because a handbag has one practical use: to store your crap, crap in throughout the day. That's it. But it's there's a reason why I bought it for her. Not she didn't buy it for herself. I bought it for her. Not so that she would love me more, right? That wasn't the reason. It's a statement. So it's like, look what I can afford for my wife. So now I have 
a specific identity. People can see me in a specific way, right? But then the question is like, hmm, why do you feel that you need to be positioned in a specific way in society? Or maybe this is, this is totally not true or it is true, who knows? Maybe because uh, I didn't get enough affection from my mom and in, in, or, or from my dad. And the way for me to get affection is to buy really, really expensive things or look successful in their eyes, typical Asian upbringing. Potentially that could be it. Now, if you know that and you're trying to close me or you're trying to, you're trying to sell me a dual program or course, it's like, cool. So like what, like in relation to health then, health and wellness, what does success look into your eyes or what does success look into you in, in your eyes and your family's eyes? And how do you want that to be kind of uh, perceived in the world? Like, that's a good question to ask because lose a couple of kilos. What does that even mean? Like, why would you want to lose a couple of kilos? How is that going to, like, I, I always look at, you know, four key parameters. Like, how's that going to affect your life? How's that going to affect your family? How's that going to affect your work life? And how's that going to reflect, affect your relationships? So life, just how you kind of walk around, how you see yourself, how you position yourself, how you kind of walk the streets, right? Uh, family, how do you feel when you get home in front of your family? Okay. Um, relationships, how will that make you feel with your spouse, right? Or your sexual partners or whatever, right? And the final one was personal. Around, around your friends, your other relationships that aren't your sexual relationships, how is that going to affect you? How is that going to make you feel? If you can under, oh, sorry, work life, sorry, I, I forgot work, work as well. How is that going to affect you at work? Because most people perform better when they feel better and they feel better when they look better generally speaking. Yeah. I so just unravel that, unlayer that onion. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's, I think a lot of people can agree and they could probably do that little experiment on themselves as well. Like for example, me, like when I've tried to get into like a young male's kind of psychography of like marketing and, you know, sales, I always go back to, okay, cool. Well, you know, what, why did I sign up at the gym? Well, there was a, you know, I had um, not much confidence because I had like a bone sticking out of my chest. Like I had my sternum sticking out of my chest and like the, the doctor was like, hey man, you need to go to the, the gym because you need to develop like your pec muscles unless you want to keep it looking like that. And I was scared because I was like, well, if I have this, like, and this is all psychological, right? Like this is all in my mind. I'm like, well, if I have this bone sticking out of my chest, well then girls won't think I'm attractive. I won't get sex, like all this sort of stuff. Right. So it's like, it's going back, back down to the real deep levels of like, you know, attraction and sex, right? Like, you know, your, your, what you want to do. And I guess status is a, an important thing as well. Like, when you feel like you're you have a higher status you have more opportunity to reproduce and stuff like that like so it's kind of going back to the the primal instincts and that's kind of where i was when i started the journey of like the health and training but then when i look at myself now it's like my go my goals have completely changed and i think the way you described it just like that which was like well if i look better I'm going to feel more confident. I'm going to dress better. I read like I radiate this energy so that I can take that into my work situation. So then I can grow my business. I can have that meeting. I can go into that conversation confident knowing I can. So it's kind of like all of these, like at least a lot of like sub sub core messages in my like psychological, like brain or my brain, I should say, just kind of making all of these impacts emotionally. But when you think about, hey man, Luke, what do you want to do? Oh, I just want to lose weight. Like that's the yeah. that's the door. But realistically, everything behind the door is all this shit. 
Yeah, like, and, and look, no one wants to go down the rabbit hole of kind of understanding people's emotion, emotional states, but it's so important. If you, want to, if you want to actually succeed in business, if you want to succeed as a personal trainer, a nutritionist, a, a coach or whatever, a health, or health coach, you have to understand the reasons why people are coming to you, right? We've heard of attraction-based marketing. Everybody's heard of attraction-based marketing, right? It's the same thing. If we want, to, we want to attract the people that we're going to work with that are going to be the best people we, we can possibly work with. And the only way we can do that is by truly understanding the people that we work with inside and out. And, you know, you said something like really beautiful there, Luke, in terms of, you know, if we look better, we feel better and, you know, all these different types of things. But it's really important that we don't put those words in their mouth. They put it in their own mouths. And the way we can, um, we can prime that, right? We can prompt that is, it's like, cool, okay, cool. So you want to lose a couple of kilos. That's interesting. So like, why so a couple of kilos? Like how many specifically? And they might give you a number. They might say five. It's like, okay, cool. Cool. It's like, like, why five though? And they might say something it's like, oh, I don't know, I like five is just a goal. It's like, cool, awesome. And if you lost five kilos, how do you feel that you would kind of show up in your personal life then? Or a better question would be like, do you feel like if you lost five kilos, you'd show up better in your relationships then? And they'll give you a one question answer. Oh, sorry, a one answer, which will be yes, right? Yes. It's like, do you feel that if you lost five kilos, you're gonna, you would um, you know, show up better in your relationships then? It's like, yeah, probably. How so though? That's the next question. So. Average salespeople will always ask, do you, do you feel that it'll affect your relationships? Or do you feel that you would have a, it would make your, it would make you show up to your work better? Or do you, do you feel like you would be a better husband or a better spouse or a better a wife if you lost five kilos? Every, every average salesperson will ask that question. Only the great salesperson will unravel that question a little bit deeper. How so though? And that's a, like three words. If you can take anything from this podcast today, it's like when you ask questions, ask them and look for the one answer, the yes or no, and respond with how so though, in that inquisitive tone. I like that, man. And I think going back to when I first started with you, um, learning from you, the biggest thing that I took away was using their own language. Like that was huge for me because like what I would do is I would listen to someone and then like sum it all up in my own language, but that doesn't resonate the same effect, has, doesn't have the same effect as their own language. Because um, mm. I remember you and I, we did a role play and you were like, bro, like I said this, but you said that, like there's no real connection. And I'm like, oh shit, like I didn't even think about that. And it's important, like I understand that for marketing when I'm running ads and stuff like that, I use their own language, but on a sales call, I forgot about that. And now it's like, it's made all the difference, which is epic. So I think like, after the conversation or after that, like just little brief kind of aspect, you can't really get that. You can't really get what you need out of a DM anymore. Like realistically, man, mm. like how can you get all of that over a DM unless you want to spend six hours messaging someone? And then that's by the off chance they have six hours and that's the off chance of them feel like they want to set, say that stuff online. Like it just doesn't make mm. sense anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And look, I mean, by the way, I just want to kind of circle back to that in relation to like paraphrasing someone else's words. It's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. School has taught us to do that forever. It's like, oh, you can't, you can't plagiarize. You have to paraphrase. Right? So you have to obtain the information. Don't copy and think about unravel the wording in which they use and come up with your own words, right? You still have to reference, of course, but you know, we're coming up with our own words so it's not copy and paste. But in the real world, when we're, having, when we're making sales, we want to reiterate what they're saying. Right? If you want to win any argument with anybody on the planet, 
You have to understand what they're arguing about, reiterate their concern, and then come up with an emotional reason to understand uh, the, the, a counter argument, then come up with something logical to challenge them. It's very simple, right? But the, the key kind of, the key message there is not paraphrasing, but reinterpreting their message, right? Or reiterating, so reiterating their message, not reinterpreting, reiterating their message uh, back to them. Or another word, parroting. Um, so, uh, so you said something a second ago, it just kind of slipped my mind. What, what was that one? It was, um, it was like, yeah, using the same language, but then moving on, like you can't really do what we just went through in terms of the process, the asking the questions in the DM. Yeah, like, it exactly. just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and look, you know, you might find a lot of people out there that are like, well, I want to sell with DMs. There's people out there that sell, sell by chat. Of course you can. And sell by chat is a fantastic method to, to sell oh, people. So if many people already, say that. If <laughs> yeah, if they're already indoctrinated around your, around your business and around you. So, for example, if The Rock messaged me personally and said, hey, bro, do you want to buy some of my tequila? I was like, fuck yeah, bro, let's do it. I'll send you my credit card details over Instagram. No stress at all. It's The Rock, right? If Crim's, Chris Hexer, like, you know, his center app, I've got no interest in buying it. But if he DM'd me and it was actually Chris, not some, some bot or not some random person, he's like, hey, man, hey, bro, I've been thinking about you. I've been seeing you liking my stuff. Hey, I wouldn't mind giving you uh, the center app for free for a 90-day trial. And then after that, come on board and pay me $17 a month or whatever it is. It's like, of course, it's Chris Hemsworth. I'm already indoctrinated to him. I'm already indoctrinated to those types of people. But if you're just some random PT who they don't know, or even if they do know, but they could get your stuff elsewhere, why would they sign up for you? And you just kind of get the, the unraveling reasons. People, so you're in the, every, every personal trainer is in the industry or is in the, in the business of working out what someone's problem is and then providing a solution to that problem and then selling them emotionally, not logically, emotionally. The only way you come out of that is when someone already knows what their problem is already knows what the solution is and they know they want to work with you but in that case in that case they would just grab your business card or they just find you on google or call you up and say sign me up or just walk into your facility yeah but the majority of people the majority of people aren't going to do that and you need to be proactive stop being a lazy ass business owner or a lazy ass pt be proactive you're proactive on your body and your health and your and your wellness start being proactive on your wealth and your business yeah I agree. And there are people who like will flat out say, message you and be like, Hey, Ken, like, I want to sign up. Like, let's go. Like, and there are people and that's happened. That has happened. But most of the time, that's not the case. You have to put in some work. You have to put in some ground rules. You have to know where you stand and what you need to achieve. Like what do you need to achieve out of every DM? Like just get them on the phone. Once you're on the phone, what do you need to do on the phone? What's your, what's your goals on that phone? It's to find the real reasons and to see if you can facilitate helping them. So that's mm. kind of what I wanted to chat about today, man. Um, I appreciate your time. Is there anything else that we want to kind of, that you feel like these guys could take away or you can kind of give any sort of other advice around, you know, sales around health and fitness, man? Look, I, I mean, I could, I could probably speak on this topic all days. Cause like, like I said, health and fitness is my, uh, was my backbone. It's where I kind of started. And I've obviously gone into a whole heap of different other industries now. Um, so I could talk about this all day. So guys, if you ever want to uh, kind of reach out to me personally, uh, you can find me on Instagram or on Facebook. It's just at Ken.Blowfield. I'm sure Luke will drop the uh, the deets in the show notes. Yeah. But guys, just on, if you guys are wanting uh, referrals, you just want people to come to you and sign up. Look, it'll happen. It just takes time. 
right? Alex Hormozzi in his book, $100 million Office, he, he speaks about it from a quadrat, it's called quadratic growth. You'll get there. It's the quadratic effect. You'll get there, but it only happens when you've created an, imag- an amazing reputation, an amazing name, an amazing brand, and then your name supersedes all the marketing the advertising you ever do. But the unfortunate thing is that no one or very few businesses do enough marketing, do enough advertising, and work with enough clients to ever see that quadratic growth actually occur. It's not an overnight thing. It's a many, many years thing. So you have to put in the effort. You have to put in the work now. You keep working with Luke and it'll get you some amazing results. I know it. I love that, Ken. And yeah, guys, if you ever want to check out Ken and he posts some pretty cool stuff on socials. And if you ever want to have a chat with him, if you have anything that around sales, all that sort of stuff, he's your man. So I'll put his uh, links to his socials down below, guys, so you can get that. So um, Ken, thank you so much again, man. I really appreciate you taking your time today. I know you're a busy man and your time's valuable. So thanks so much for coming on more, man. My pleasure, bro. You have an amazing day, brother. And I'll speak to you real soon. Catch up.